0: Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding. We're a couple of bird brains looking for adventure and some birds.
1: I'm Hannah, and he's Eric.
0: And we started this podcast to share our adventures with you and talk about random other thoughts on birding topics. Just a couple of disclaimers. We're not experts. And if we discuss any controversial material, we hope you keep an open mind, but also remember that we're discussing our own opinions.
1: How are you doing today?
0: I'm tired and... Kind of uh, excited about the crazy wind we've been having out here. Oh
1: my gosh, the <laughs> wind! Like I'm. Be surprised if you can't hear it on the the podcast unless you just absolutely fix it out.
0: I don't think I can cut all of it out, but <laughs> but it is
1: just howling here on the Oregon coast.
0: I know. I, did you wake up at like four o'clock this morning? About yeah. Just the wind is just whipping. It's like twenty mile an hour steady winds plus like forty to fifty mile an hour gusts. So we're we're getting some wind, a little bit of rain, making the birding a little uh wet
1: exciting (laughs) and i don't know if you can hear it in my voice or not but i have a cold so i really apologize up front if i cough in your ear a little bit Um, i'll try to cut those out i'll try not to too
0: (laughs) (laughs) so um birding news uh for the beginning of the year since uh we're releasing this podcast maybe three quarters of a day late maybe a whole day late sorry yeah but uh bird news for the beginning of the year we've got a couple things right
1: yeah, so the American Birding Association has just selected their bird of the year. Woo, bird
0: <laughs> of the year! <laughs> uh,
1: it's a red-billed tropic bird, which is really exciting. It's a beautiful bird, and I can't wait to get one so I can display it on my binoculars with the, the cool get, little sticker. Get the little sticker? Yeah. yeah. That was, like, the worst part of getting a new pair of binoculars is that I couldn't transfer the sticker. I know, you, the can't, you, can't, the you
0: can't pull those things off. They we, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't work.
1: But, you know, upgrading to some Zeiss, I can't, I can't complain too much about doing first that. First world problems. First world problems. <laughs> um, so, other burning news. We have a couple of reviews that we'd like to share with you guys. And thank you guys so much for those of you who submitted reviews. It keeps us going.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate them
1: the first one is for rob he said i recently found and started listening to your podcast on google Podcasts. i just want to tell you how much i'm enjoying it i subscribe to several burning podcasts and yours is one of my favorite yay Uh, what i really like is that you make it sound like you're just two of my friends chatting about their burning adventures it seems very personable keep up the good work thank you so much Rod, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm glad we,
0: somebody wants to be our friend.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, this one we posted on our Facebook page, but we'll just go ahead and read.
0: I guess I'm going to go ahead and read it. So um, it's from uh, Guff's Fan One. Um, they said, I just discovered this podcast after participating in a field trip Hannah and Eric led at the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival. What a treat. After every episode, I want to visit the places they go and appreciate their sharing of the whole birding experience. Everything from bird sightings and misses to great food and drink places to the challenges of using eBird hotspots. It's super relatable and informative and just a joy to listen to. I am grateful for the real real people recommendations from field guides to duck stamps to travel experiences. Their interviews are also fabulous. Please keep it up. I look forward to every episode. Thank you very much, Guff's fan. Guff's guffs number one fan guffs (laughs) fan number one yeah that sounds right guffs one fan
1: (laughs) (laughs) um and then i think the last one that we have for today is by how do you say that birder girl
0: that's bird girl right no there's there's not ours birder girl Yeah. yeah
1: Um, she says, chatty and informative. Hannah and Eric have a natural rapport that is welcoming to listeners, and the information they share is varied and engaging, and most of all, always includes valuable takeaways. From birding hotspots, bird banding, bird walks, uh, interviews with birding world personalities, and intel on birding festivals. That's a lot of birding in one a lot of birding. sentence. Um, each episode offers meaningful content to me, an already seasoned birder. These two have much to offer anyone wanting to dip a toe into. In listening, oh, sorry, in addition to the birder converts already listening, they explain terms and techniques and also uh, and ask good questions of their guests. The two highlights I'm noticing of this podcast are how well Hannah and Eric create a scene of where they birded. You feel like you're already there with them. And on an entirely different note, they address head on the need for inclusion in birding and invite guests who speak to this. Now that we're settled in, uh, now that they're settled in Oregon, running a hotel, building a FaceTime community, <laughs> I hope they keep up this odd uh, audio community building effort too, which we plan to. But hopefully, like today, we might be a little late.
0: Yeah, life life keeps getting in the way. We
1: had some stuff going on. <laughs> so um, I think that's the
0: those what are the I reviews. Yeah, yeah. So we really appreciate everyone who's reviewed and uh, continue reviewing. We plan to keep reading them if. Uh, if we remember. If we remember and if, if people review.
1: And if we missed yours, just send us an email and we'll make sure to do it the next time. Yeah,
0: chew us out or something. It's, it's fine. We <laughs> yeah, can take it.
1: But we appreciate it. It keeps us going. So um, we, since it's the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, and our eBird list just went back to zero. Rolled over to zero. Oh my gosh. Reset. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to take a few minutes to um, do a little review of 2018. So what did we do this year? We, we did a lot. We did. Um, we moved from Houston to Tallahassee, and then from Tallahassee, just almost directly diagonal across the country. 100% to,
0: across the country. <laughs> to
1: Cannon Beach, Oregon. Um, I earned my master's degree, so I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Yeah, we started this podcast.
1: Yeah. And we traveled a bunch, too. So where all have we traveled this year? Oh, uh,
0: so we went, we traveled a, a ton around Florida mm-hmm. when we were in Tallahassee. We uh, took a cruise down to Cuba. Mm-hmm. We went on a pelagic trip um, oh, out yeah. of... Uh, Cape Canaveral. Oh, Cape Canaveral. We went on a pelagic trip out of Cape Canaveral. Um, Ecuador. We went to Ecuador for, for two weeks. Yeah.
1: Um, I, you know, one of my favorite things about living down in Florida was traveling to some places that we I never really thought of going. Like... In Alabama at the Eufaula yeah. National Wildlife Refuge.
0: Yeah, we would have never gone there if we weren't <coughs> living living near the area.
1: That place was so cool. And different places in Georgia, like the Savannah Prairie National Wildlife... Savannah Preserve?
0: I think it's just Savannah National Wildlife Refuge. Whatever.
1: That place was really cool, too.
0: So what was your favorite moment of 2018?
1: So my favorite moment um, was probably when we first saw Limpkin at Disney World. So we are big Disney people, too. And we got annual passes when we were in florida because i finally could (laughs) so we decided to and um it just brought up this moment that seems so ridiculous about burning and just made me laugh out loud as hard as i could be and probably scare a bunch of people (laughs) because it just made me think of how ridiculous burning is so in 2016 we were living in houston and my parents invited us to go to Disney World with them for just a vacation. And so we did. We were in Disney World for about a week.
0: Yeah, I think a week. Yeah.
1: And one day we took off early to do some birding first. And uh, we went out in search of a limpkin because we didn't have a limpkin and searched on eBird trying to figure out exactly where to go. Um we found a couple like neighborhood ponds that didn't have access to we,
0: non-residents. We drove around like all these neighborhoods, and like one place is like, yeah, well, you can't come in here unless you have unless you live here. And
1: yeah, <laughs> we there, there was
0: a couple spots we stopped at that the, the security guards turned us away.
1: We weren't having much luck, so anyways, um, we decided to go a little further outside of our circle of where we were trying to go to some oh this lake I I have no idea how to say it it's Lake Toho Pe galaga Pecaliga. sure anyways it's uh if if you're
0: from florida you can correct us it's like like the
1: kissimmee lakefront park or something like that
0: yeah
1: um but we're we got out of the car we walked over the lake and there's lincoln right there which great you know we watched it for a little while checked it off our list and so that was in 2016 um so we
0: worked so hard to find that bird but when we were in 10 different stops before you finally get to one and then we see one and it's like oh my gosh finally yeah
1: so then fast forward to 2018 we're at disney world we're taking the ferry in between epcot and hollywood studios Mm -hmm. just to like go to the other park and a limkin jumps on board
0: (laughs) (laughs) it just rides the boat the whole way between the two parks the horn blaring from the ferry and everything and it doesn't bother it's just like riding along
1: just couldn't help but laugh out of the ridiculousness of it
0: yeah so that that was that was pretty ridiculous
1: What's your favorite moment from
0: 2018? So, probably uh, the human power challenge. And in 2018, it must have been like an eruptive year for bobolinks because I had never seen one before. It was we were waiting, waiting to get it. We'd heard a couple of reports of one, some, and then we saw two or three that that day during the challenge and at then, Galveston, Island, at State Galveston Island State Park. And then pretty much from then on, it was every every couple of days we'd see another one. We see another one. We see another one. And it was like, I've never seen one ever. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 bobo bobolinks everywhere. And so I guess They're, that was a pretty good like moment. They
1: were like ants at that point. It's I like know. you see one and you just keep seeing them.
0: Yeah, seriously.
1: So it was a crazy year.
0: Yeah, we did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Hopefully we, we can do a lot of stuff in 2019.
1: Yeah, and we are so glad <laughs> you guys are out there in the podcast universe listening to us and all our craziness. So it's been about six, seven months since we started this. And yeah, I think so. We are so thankful you all are there.
0: Yeah, I'm glad somebody, somebody's listening to us talk.
1: That was one of my favorite parts of 2018. <laughs> our, our listeners? Our <laughs> talking.
0: Oh, our talking. Yeah. Oh, I see.
1: So um, first off in today's episode, after all of that, so I guess somewhere in the middle, uh, we wanted to talk about Christmas Bird Counts because it's about that time. That's yeah, so,
0: Christmas Bird Count season. Eric. Right, in the, right in the middle of Christmas bird count season right now.
1: So, Eric, in the spirit of the dollop, would you like to tell us about Christmas bird counts?
0: In this year! Oh, I don't I don't remember how he says it.
1: <laughs> December 1900. There we go. December
0: 1900. That's exactly what he does, yeah. The dollop's a good but good podcast. You should listen to it if you don't. Good plug. But, um, yeah. So, um, in December 19, 1900, they... Um, who was it? It was Frank Chapman. He started this whole thing Christmas bird count this this year is the 119th year of it they are the 119th annual Christmas bird count It's the longest running citizen science Pro- citizen science project in the world
1: which if you don't aren't familiar with citizen science projects mm-hmm. we did talk about it in one of our Uh, prior episodes, so you might go back and do a little refresher on that.
0: Yeah. But basically, it's if you're not a professional scientist, but you're doing science and contributing, you're a citizen scientist. Yeah.
1: So using things like eBird, iNaturalist, um, Zooniverse is a fun one. Yeah. Those are all different citizen science projects that help contribute to the greater understanding of our world.
0: Yeah. So... So this, uh, this Frank Chapman fellow, it was he kind of had noticed something that had been kind of going on for years. Um, up throughout the um, 19th century, um, it was kind of an American tradition every single Christmas to go out and do a hunt where you would see how many birds you could possibly kill. And it wasn't just birds. It was everything. You'd, you'd kill all sorts of the rodents and all the mammals that you could find, just get the biggest pile of animals, and the person with the biggest pile wins.
1: It was called the Christmas Side Hunt.
0: Yeah, it was it was very popular, and it was just go out there and just just kill, 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 kill. Yeah,
1: it was pretty indiscriminate about birds. Like, it, it could be birds. That, you know, you might use their feathers, or you might eat, or it's just like just kill them because they're there. Just like a bird you see.
0: Yeah, could, makes your pile bigger. Um, but they would kill all the birds. They didn't. Uh, they didn't care if they're particularly useful for anything. Um, but Frank Chapman, he he decided with a group of. Um, what ended up being uh, 27 other, um, or 26 other individuals, I guess, <laughs> um, to uh, start this thing that he called a Christmas bird count, where on Christmas Day they went out and counted, rather than shot, as many birds as they possibly could.
1: And Frank Chapman wasn't just some bum off the street. Yeah, he wasn't a Yahoo. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was actually a, a ornithologist in the U.S. and he was the founder of Bird Lore, which then became audubon magazine
0: oh okay yeah so i didn't realize that i guess so i did some research on this um to not, try to not complete research apparently i didn't do complete research um to, to try to figure out so we can talk about it a little bit um we got most of our or i got most of the information i found from uh, the audubon website um hannah must have found some secret sources I used wikipedia wikipedia all right so the first year um featured uh, it was 27 total birders and they had 25 different count circles
1: So, Eric, what is a count circle?
0: I guess I should probably mention that. So a count circle consists of a center dot, which is a latitude and longitude that's a known known spot. And they do a a 7.5-mile radius circle, so a 15-mile diameter circle that's completely around it. And it's split up into little little manageable sections. So usually, most of the counts we've been on, they're split up into like usually at least six or seven sections. Sometimes a lot more. And sometimes those sections are broken up into even smaller chunks. The first year, 90 species on the whole count. And I think it was 18,500 individuals total that they counted species. So, so they were counting not only species, but how many individuals within each circle. As as best they can. I mean, as best as you can count individuals in a circle. So, a CBC.
1: So did you read any information about like generally where these counts were?
0: I did, and I didn't write it down.
1: Okay, so somewhere <laughs> probably in the northeast. There right?
0: there, there was there were spread out across the country.
1: Oh, they got the whole country. There,
0: there there was a there was a couple spots there was a couple spots in California. He was
1: out there writing letters in the 1900s, saying, I, "Hey guys, you want to do this count? Do you think <laughs> when do you think he had to start writing those letters?"
0: I don't know, like, Do you like think it's October, the, like July. July, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> how
1: long did it get, take to get across the country? I, I imagine
0: in 1900 it would take uh, take a couple days to Excuse get Excuse me, Wells
1: Fargo. I don't
0: know. I wish I knew. You should listen to the dollop more so we know more history.
1: <laughs> wow, shame.
0: Shame on us. Okay. So I don't know how long it would take for him to tell somebody in California.
1: I'm going to say six months.
0: <laughs> but... um but they got 25 counts, and it was spread all across um, America. Because I remember seeing there was some in California, and he was up in the Northeast, so... That's pretty good. Acro- across America. He had friends. Yeah, tw- 25 counts the first year, which is, I feel like it's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, for the first time you ever try something. Yeah. Um, but the greatest... So that, that was the first one. And then the biggest single-day count... Forum was back in 2005 at the Mad Island um, count down on the Texas coast, the Matagorda Matagorda County, Mad Island Marsh count. So it's it's like one of the highest ones usually every yeah, year. Anyways, I mean, they they have huge numbers of species. But Their their top year was 2005 with 250 species. That's insane. 250 species. That's like double everywhere else we go. <laughs> so they they they're insane. So that was that was that's the greatest count in America. But uh the greatest worldwide count was uh not it was just a couple of years ago in twenty thirteen, um down in uh I guess it was in, it must have been in Ecuador. It
1: was in Ecuador, it was on the eastern slope of the Andes, um, in the area called Kasanga Narupu. Narupa? Narupa. Yeah. And that was actually I think really close to where we stayed in uh in Guango and, and no, San Isidro. No, it was San Isidro. yeah, because Casango was where he took us to see the Torrent deck.
0: Oh, you're right, yeah. So, so it's it's got to be real close to where we were at then.
1: Yeah, so actually I wonder if Pablo, our guide, if he was uh, in on that day, because he was telling us about different Christmas bird counts that
0: he's done. Yeah, because he's a compiler for one of the areas, I think is what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's a compiler for a, for a section of one of the circles.
1: Um, I don't know about that. But, man, what... Like kind of amazing distinction <laughs> Would that be to be like seriously. I was part of the biggest bird count ever. Did we say how many birds? were No, it
0: was so they had 531 species. So
1: more than twice the highest count. 531. In the, the US.
0: <laughs> like 250 sounds like a lot, and yeah. then and then you go down to have 531.
1: Oh my gosh, that's, that's just absolutely insane. That's
0: bananas. That's
1: bananas. <laughs> that's bananas. Would have been a lot of fun, which I thought was really cool. How many people in Ecuador asked us if we were going to participate in the birding counts?
0: Oh yeah, I think we, almost all of our guides asked us if if we were down down there in Ecuador to do counts. Like if we were doing pre, if we were doing uh, scouting, scouting yeah. for counts. And it's like that's that's pretty awesome that the they're that into it. That they have people that come from outside of the country and people. Or they expect people to come from outside of the country to be participating in their counts.
1: Like, I can ID a couple birds down there, but I think I'd be absolutely oh useless on a Christmas I, bird count.
0: I feel the same way. Like, I can I can spot them. I can identify a handful of them on my own, but... Oh, but calls, man. The calls. So many new calls to try to figure out. Yeah, that
1: would be insane. Yeah. So, um, last year, the Christmas bird counts had about 2,585 counts throughout the Americas which...
0: versus the 25 that it started with. Yeah,
1: so th- last year there were just under 77,000 participants in those 2500 counts, which just is incredible.
0: That's a lot of people yeah. counting birds.
1: <laughs> and they totaled uh, a whopping 2,673 species. So a bit more that's about a quarter, 90, 90 species quarter in the first count.
0: 26,000 in that count. 2,600. 2,600 in that
1: count. That's incredible. That's, a, like lot, that's like a lot what of What has birds. happened in the last 119 years?
0: People have really gotten on board with this thing. <laughs> this, this, thing this thing they call the Christmas bird count.
1: Birding. I think it's going to happen. We should buy stock in it.
0: <laughs> I'm sick. Are you some sort of old-timey reporter? Yes, I wish. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, so in that whole crazy count... There are about 59 million individual birds that were tallied last year, and that, like we've been comparing, that's compared to about 18,000 the first year. So, yeah,
0: it's just we're we're counting the birds. It's happening. The birds have been counted,
1: (laughs) and the Christmas bird count is administered by the National Audubon Society, which I don't know who does it in these foreign countries.
0: I don't. I I was a little bit unclear on that when I was reading through. But I'm
1: sure they have a similar sort of. Thing, probably at least similar to the American Birding Association, I would imagine. I
0: would imagine so. Um,
1: so that that's great that they've taken it on, uh, as well in other countries. And the purpose of it is to provide population data for use in science and especially, you know, conservation biology. Though a lot of people they participate in it for recreational purposes and just general bragging rights.
0: Yeah, to say that I participated in 16- sixteen. <laughs> cbc's this year well,
1: when we were part of the Ornithology <laughs> group in houston um they had a drawing yeah, and did. you got a ticket for that drawing for however many uh christmas bird camps you'd been on
0: <laughs> yeah there there were some people that had like nine tickets and stuff ten tickets and like, it's like they found that they were able to travel to that many cbc's in texas that's crazy yeah i guess they, they were actually retired not trying to work and bird at the same time <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Yeah, so I was I was reading an article um, about last year's count, and they mentioned a count um, a count circle called uh, Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, and they said something about it having only one species. And I was like, all right, I have to I have to look up this. What? Well, how does a count only have one species? It's
1: gonna be a gold.
0: Com- no, it was a, it was a common raven. Ah. A common, it had common raven was the one species on their count last year.
1: That's crazy. Which
0: that would that would be a rough count. You go out there all day. I don't know how long they actually spent out on the field, but you go out there all day and you find one species.
1: What if you saw like ten thousand of them though?
0: What if you only saw one individual? <laughs> you yeah. saw one individual of one species. That would, that would kind of suck. That'd be insane. So it's it's the northernmost count in the United States, and it's the second most northerly count in the world. Like they didn't they didn't mention anything about that. I was just looking on the map and and was kind of comparing it like latitudinally. And it's is that a word latitudally Sure.
1: You just said it, didn't you?
0: Yeah. Anyways, the um it was pretty much the most northerly and then I scrolled over to the east and saw that there's one in Canada that was a little bit further. <laughs> so, the second most northerly count. It's it's way up there. So, I guess that kind of makes sense why they don't have that many species.
1: Yeah. We'll have to go do that one someday.
0: Yeah. I I like to do the northerly most.
1: Well, we could just do both. Yeah, I guess we do both. I mean, how far apart are they?
0: They're pretty far. <laughs> It oh. was it looked like a good couple thousand miles. It's
1: not just like 15 miles. <laughs> and then it's like we're the northernmost. <laughs> no, it's, it's like the
0: east side of Alaska versus Canada or the east side of Canada versus Alaska. Oh, so okay. it is a long ways away from each other. Maybe two separate years. Maybe. Yeah, so in the cold. Yeah, it's it's probably pretty chilly up there. Probably. I imagine in the middle of winter. Talking about Christmas bird counts and participating and people being competitive and bragging rights and everything. So I have only participated in 7. We've uh you sound so
1: down about that.
0: I do. I know. I feel I feel kind of like well, there's some people that do like seven a year. Or...
1: You're so competitive. Oh my I know. gosh. I don't Just know. let it go. I
0: can't stop. So over the last six years, I really need to step it up. But um we haven't we have one more plan this year, so that'll that'll bring me up to eight. Um on January fifth, um we're gonna be doing the um it's our anniversary.
1: Woo sixth yeah. anniversary. Our sixth anniversary. We got so, married on World Bird Day because yeah. we're that big a nerd. Because we're weird
0: yeah <laughs> um but we're gonna be doing the portland uh the portland oregon cbc which uh is in northwest portland and i was looking at the at the data from last year and it had the second most number number of observers recorded for last year i think it was like 100 and 151 that's I think. crazy a lot. A, a, lot, a lot of people but there were a lot of them were people that were observing from their backyards and stuff not actually that's uh, helping. No, they're helping. I'm just I'm just saying that they they didn't meet up at the meeting and they were there wasn't like 151 people standing in a parking lot waiting for direction to where. Yeah, to Yeah, that's
1: because there's like five meetings. <laughs> well, um, just to make you feel a little bit worse about how many yeah. bird counts you've well, done, what are you do? I've done ten. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so, I've led three.
0: <laughs> so there. Well, look at you go. Aren't you sophisticated?
1: So. Um, we did do a Christmas bird count and this year so yeah, far. Yeah, in preparation for this. we're doing two this year. Uh in preparation for this. And we didn't even say what the dates are that Christmas bird counts are held during.
0: We didn't even mention that. So it starts uh December 14th and goes until January 5th. So we're getting Every in
1: year. just right under the wire on this last J-
0: January 5th, last <laughs> day of the last day of the counts. Count, happens to uh, be a season. Saturday. That works out. Yeah convenient for us i guess
1: so we did the dallas oregon christmas bird count um uh, about a week ag- or so
0: ago what was that that was the 27th right sure i think so
1: and that one is centered over a spot that's uh in dallas oregon in dallas oregon <laughs> <laughs> which is right outside of monmouth and capital. just of state. outside of salem yeah salem which is the capital of state so, that was kind of a new area for us, which was exciting to go birdwatch in a different area, but also a little nerve-wracking that we didn't know where we were going. A little daunting. And we didn't have a guide. We There were 35 participants in the CBC, which I think he said was one of his bigger years. I think so, yeah. And... um we split section four with Donna, who is fabulous, yeah. and she birded by herself. She, she
0: birded by herself. I felt we, bad. We, we birded together.
1: <laughs> yeah. And we split up this huge area that was um, just pretty much like farmland.
0: Pretty much. There was, there was like two creeks that ran through it, and then pretty much farms other than that.
1: But we were really excited. Uh, prior to going out, we were emailing back and forth with the compiler, Caleb, and... Donna and they were talking about a couple different bird species that we should be on the lookout for. So we had Rough-Legged Hawk, rough-legged hawk. that we should be looking for. And yeah. also um, I think there was Pippets, mm-hmm. too, they wanted us to search for. Um, was that it? Is there like lark sparrows or something? They
0: said something about lark sparrows, but I
1: don't
0: know. Yeah. I remember yeah. that being At on longspurs. the... long spurs. Oh, yeah, they said Lapland longspurs to be on yeah. the lookout for those, too.
1: That's what it was. So, um, get out to Dallas about seven o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and we all met at the Starbucks in the in Safeway, Safeway. Yeah. that was there, and went off on our route. They provided us with a great map, which yeah, I was, it was really, a really good map, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which was really <laughs> nice. I mean, you don't always get a great map like that.
0: No, we were kind of expecting that we were going to have to just like look at um, compare the CBC or the the CBC map from the Audubon to a real world map and just continue to try to make sure we're within our circle the whole time or something but But, no they gave us a good map which was nice
1: yeah a roadmap um they had highlighted our section on there and so we pretty easily just found our way around driving driving through these farm roads
0: up and down farm roads talking trying to not uh talk too much to locals but trying (laughs) to talk to locals but not uh worry them too much that so we're using binoculars in front of their house
1: yeah um and i know you were kind of disappointed about our section because you wanted to do, do some hiking
0: i did i did want to get out of the car and do some hiking but our, our section was pretty much farm roads yeah. and so there wasn't there wasn't a lot of chance for a lot of getting out of the car and walking around
1: yeah it was all private property yeah. so there was no getting out um we did park in a couple areas and just walk up and down the street so we didn't spook things but for yeah. the most part we were using the car as a blind.
0: Yeah, but we got some pretty good species, though, still. I think uh, we, we, we got the rough-legged hawk.
1: Well, first, so first pretty off, pretty yeah, so <laughs> we got to our section, and it was still kind of dark, and like, the fog was just socked yeah. in. So we're just on this farm road, you know, there's... Yeah, 500 100 feet up. of visibility, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> and we're driving down the road. Eric's in a super bad mood, and he's like, we're not going to see anything all day. It's
0: too cloudy, I can't see.
1: It's going to be too foggy. <laughs> And so we finally stopped near this, like, bramble because there were some birds going back and forth, and we get out, and there's golden-crowned sparrows. Yeah, go-
0: golden crown and white-crowned.
1: Which, uh, that was fun to see golden crown because we yeah. haven't seen them in a long time.
0: Yeah, not for a while. Yeah,
1: having been away from this area. And then a hawk lands in the field just opposite from us, maybe, like... What, half a mile away? It was probably about
0: a half mile Yeah, away. it was
1: pretty far out there. I thought
0: for sure it was a Harrier when it, when it was coming in.
1: Yeah, so we we thought it was a Harrier. I was looking at um, iBird and comparing Harrier versus Rough-Legged, and I was like, I don't know. I kind of think it might be a rough Because
0: it, it was so far away we couldn't see really any features on the bird. Because I saw white near the tail, which it turned out to be on the tail, but I, I thought it was the rump. And so I just completely dismissed it right off the bat as Harrier. Because I was like, I, I know, I've, I've seen lots of Harriers. So I was like, okay, well, that's white rump, slightly dihedral. It's a Harrier. But
1: but I went with my gut, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not sure. So we turned around, and I navigated us to another farm road, which led us a little bit closer. To yeah, a little
0: bit closer. But, but, but then that,
1: it flew. I was going to say, but by that time it flew. And landed in a tree and it was super obvious it was oh, rough yeah. legged hawk. Yeah, it's its
0: wings were out, you could you could see the patches on its the, the dark patches on its wings, you could see the the dark on the um the belly and everything, so it's like, all right, well this is that's and, and while while it was in flight, when we could see it in better light and from a different angle, it was obvious it had the white tail, it wasn't a white rump. So it was rough legged hawk. Lifer. It was yeah, nice. Yeah, that was
1: exciting. <laughs> Um, so we were, yeah, on riding that high for yeah, a little while. riding that
0: high. <laughs> and
1: kept going along and just, like, a couple birds here, a couple birds there. Just, just waiting for things to fly in front of the car, basically.
0: Well, I, I feel like it was kind of like just putting along, hoping for the clouds, the fog to really lift. Like, yeah. we were... We're driving around. The window's wide open. Just kind of drive, like driving slow.
1: 34 degrees out.
0: Yeah. Stopping at every bramble. Getting out and kind of looking around. hope wait, Waiting for the fog to lift so maybe other things will start lifting off and birds will start getting more active.
1: And then we ran into this field that had, um, like, gosh, like 100 robins in it. It was insane. Yeah. They were, like, perfectly spaced out throughout this, like, corral area. Yeah. And there were a couple sterlings hanging out around there, too. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. There were there
0: were some more white crowns. White crowns. And around. there was juncos. Dark-eyed juncos.
1: And then we saw two swamp sparrows yeah. right there. And those were the only swamp sparrows of the day.
0: I didn't re- I didn't realize it was going to be that exciting for the swamp sparrows, or else I would have tried to take a bunch of pictures of yeah, them. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> but right at that time, we did have a local that stopped. Eric went back to go get the car, and I was looking at the swamp sparrow some more. And uh, a local gentleman pulled alongside us and said what are you doing out here? And I said, we're we're counting birds. And he kind of gave me a hard time about like, well, are you fish and wildlife? And no, I'm just a volunteer, you know, counting for the Audubon society the local Audubon. And we're just out here looking at birds. And he thought about it for a minute and then just said, okay, and drove off.
0: And then when he passed me, it was kind of like, he just like gave me the stare down and I waved and, waved and smiled and he just gave me the stare down and kept on driving so
1: so that was pretty much our weird interaction of the day
0: yeah it, it wasn't it's it could have been worse and it's it's just kind of what you get when you go out go out into kind of the farm country yeah pe- pe- people are kind of protective of of their land they they get it in their head i feel like some people get it in their head that the government's coming to take their land because well, for birds or for animals or endangered or whatever. But. And
1: there was uh, Fish and Wildlife property, like a wildlife management unit. Yeah, something. That wasn't near, or wasn't far away. Yeah. So, it um, wasn't
0: Basket Slough, but it was something else.
1: No, 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 it was state state land. Oh, it was a state land. Basket Slough's National yeah, Wildlife yeah,
0: Refuge. Yeah. But but it, it was it was something, but it, it wasn't related to Basket Slough. But But it's, no. it's some other reserve land that was real close.
1: So I could see him thinking like, oh, they're going to, you know, try to take my property and yeah. put it as part of this unit. But
0: I guess if, I don't know. If you're paranoid, maybe, like, um, if you're on the verge of being paranoid. Well, about
1: we don't it. know the politics around there.
0: I have no idea. Ne- never, never been to Dallas. Never been to that area. So. Speculating. Complete speculation. So, anyways,
1: <laughs> um, because one of our reviews mentioned that we, we say good things about restaurants, we have to. We have to wrap where we
0: went for lunch. So, yeah. Um, had, to, had to break free because it, it was still foggy even by lunchtime.
1: Yeah, like 11 o'clock. We just kind of gave in that we were hungry. Yeah. And we stopped at an Oregon staple restaurant, mm-hmm. which
0: is B-b-b-b- Burgerville.
1: Burgerville. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fantastic little diner restaurant. Um, it's kind of like the Oregon version of Whataburger, except yeah. Burgerville is better. <laughs> personally i think i so. feel
0: like it's cheaper too
1: it is cheaper it usually takes longer
0: it does it takes but forever but the it's food good it's so good i feel i feel like it's worth the wait and they
1: have really good milkshakes too which we didn't get because it no, was freezing cold. It was cold
0: we didn't we didn't need milkshakes we didn't need to cool off
1: yeah but it was kind of funny when we went in there eric set down his camera and he just got a new lens that's ginormous
0: <laughs> and we
1: didn't want to leave it out in the car and so he set it down and then there's like a group like have you ever been to a donut shop? At 6 mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. And there's, like, a bunch of grandpas just, like, sitting around talking.
0: Yeah, they're just, they just... They show up every morning at 5 in the morning. And they sit there and they talk about the news of the day for, like, three hours.
1: And then they leave. Then they, they go, go their separate ways. Yeah. Well, anyways, there was a group of guys at Burgerville <laughs> that were sitting there doing the same thing. And the second they saw Eric's lens, they switched the conversation immediately to photographers. Yeah. <laughs> what did they say?
0: They, well, they were, they were talking about... Uh, how they don't, they don't respect photographers because they take a whole bunch of pictures and then just throw all the bad ones away.
1: Beauty of digital. That's,
0: that's the beauty of digital. <laughs> you can take a bunch of pictures and throw all the bad ones away, which in my case ends up being most of them, 99%. <laughs> <But just> another, <laughs> or all of them. <laughs>
1: another funny part of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so we got back into our section and we just went down this one road looking for another road. And... Ended up uh, going past a little orchard that had quail going down the road. Yeah,
0: a whole, a whole bunch of California quail,
1: which was subsequently another lifer for us. Yeah, um, which
0: I feel like I'd already seen. We've it. We've seen
1: them, but we just didn't just ebird never it, the time. it. Yeah, so that was really exciting because they're adorable.
0: Yeah, and when we talk about lifers, but we never ebirded them before. I have no idea where we've seen them, but I swear I've seen it before, and that's the beauty think... of ebird. You're, it, it remembers for you where you saw it the first time. I
1: think we saw him in Nevada when we went to Winnemucca.
0: I, I I I just remember that it's can't be a lifer. It's got to be one that I've seen. I know <laughs> I've seen it. I don't know where I've seen it, but I know I've seen him before.
1: But, well, and that. But road, now
0: I know where I've seen him for sure.
1: <laughs> that road ended up being a really good spot too because we saw red shoulder Talk, and that yeah. was the first. That was our Oregon lifer, red shoulders. Yeah,
0: Oregon red shoulder lifer.
1: Because we were. So dumb when we lived here before. We didn't know these things. <laughs> Thought every hawk was a red tail. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we got so on that same road. I think we had we had an occipiter in that road. Oh wait, no, we didn't. It was it was a different road where we had the Merlin yeah. and the and Kestrel. Merlin yeah. and Kestrel and an and an occipiter. I think we had an occipiter, didn't we? It's
1: like the trifecta. Yeah. So kept on driving, kept on going. Um, didn't see a whole lot else. And then just about uh, the time we were going to meet up with our section leader, we just chanced down a little road and, oh my gosh, stopped off at this little grove of trees that was on the side of a vineyard and just got like everything there.
0: Yeah, that's one of the times that we got out of the car and wandered along because we had the windows down and I think we heard something that made us decide to just pull over and walk it.
1: Well, it's also like Habitat where you just look at it and you're like, this is going to be good. This is going
0: to be good. This is going to be a good Habitat.
1: But we got orange crown uh, warbler, yellow-rumped warbler there, uh, Lincoln sparrow, song sparrow, um,
0: red-breasted nuthatch, creeper, creeper. We had a a woodpecker um, hammering, but we couldn't find it.
1: Gosh, yeah, it never came out. I
0: wish I wish I could have found because it, it was either hairy or a downy.
1: And I don't think they ended up getting a hairy the whole county. No,
0: they they didn't get a hairy, and they they had some downy, but we didn't have a downy in our whole section. Mm-mm. But it it was a it was a small woodpecker hammering. But I just couldn't. We just couldn't find it. It was somewhere up in the top of the trees.
1: So about what one o'clock, uh, our section leader Donna called, and mm-hmm. you know, or no, we ran into her. No, we, we her. met up to her. Yeah, yeah.
0: We, we were driving down the road, and we ended up just saw another car parked on the side of the road, and we we're like, "This looks like a burner." Yeah,
1: we never met her before. <laughs> we just pulled over. Yeah. And we were like, "Are you Donna?" Yeah. <laughs> so we compiled our list together. She gave us some intel on an acorn woodpecker because we need that. Yeah. And we gave her intel on the song sparrows. She needed that. Um, and then uh, we were headed towards the acorn woodpecker. That oh,
0: was the swamp sparrow that we gave her.
1: What did I say? Song sparrow. Oh, sorry, swamp. Yeah,
0: the the swamp sparrow. We told we told her where we saw the sw- swamp sparrow <sighs> earlier in the day. And so she headed that direction. And we headed towards the acorn woodpecker because by, by that time in the day, really... There wasn't much new turning up in our sections, so yeah. we, we figured we'd just go around and scout each other's sections, essentially.
1: <laughs> and that was about the time Eric's car um, had a light come on.
0: Yeah, I got a got a flat tire. Um, ran over something during the day, so we had to hurry up and get to a gas station, get just enough air in it to get me to Costco to get a flat repair. <laughs>
1: So, that was kind of the end of our day.
0: That was the end of birding for the day.
1: But we have 34 species, which I was not expecting the way it started out. It was like, we're going to be lucky with 10. I
0: know. It was just one. One. We have chickadee. We have, like, one chickadee over there in the bushes. (laughs) And one sparrow over there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, it was a lot of fun. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely fun. Yeah. I was really nice meeting everybody. Mm-hmm. We got the results back the other day from the CBC. And this was the 49th year of the Dallas CBC. About 35 people participated. Um They had 13 diurnal raptors, which, man, that's 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 awesome. That's
0: a lot of raptors.
1: Yeah. And 121 species total for the count, which actually ends up being their highest count ever and beat their previous record by five species.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And we (laughs) contributed to that.
0: Yes. We we added one that they didn't have all day (laughs) with our swamp sparrow.
1: (laughs) So I went on my favorite Facebook page, World Girl Birders, and... um, put in just kind of a synopsis of our day and included that we were interrogated by a local and, you know, does anybody else have any fun stories that they want to share? And, uh, we had a couple, um, somebody had commented that they were told by one lady to get off her piece of street. So
0: <laughs> her piece of street,
1: yeah. um, Somebody says the Cheryl says that she gets interrogated probably at least once a year, and she suggests that the Audubon um, creates a car magnet that you can put that says Audubon Christmas Bird Count in progress for those of us that participate,
0: so we can put those on
1: the back of our car and so people know what's going
0: on. I've I've seen people put like they print off on like printer paper and just tape it to their window, and I was talking about that the day of like I should have I should have printed something when driving down these country roads. All these these farmers they don't know what we're doing they see us pulling up next to their farmhouse driving real slow because usually, they usually have like trees and bushes around yeah. their house so that's where we're looking for the birds we're looking for the birds and the vegetation and so it, it kind of some people get worried if they don't know what's going on
1: um, somebody said that They get questioned um, pretty much every year as well. Uh, This year they had, this is Mary, this year they stopped at the nearby Walmart to count starlings and goals, (laughs) and then headed over to the nearby fast food place for breakfast, and a cop car followed them into line and waited patiently until we were at the food window, and then pulled up next to them and rolled down the window to ask what we were doing. So, again, we explained what Christmas bird counts are and why we had our binoculars in the Walmart parking lot. (laughs) Um, She's not sure if the cop believed them, but they allowed them to go. So, that's that's
0: crazy. That's an experience.
1: Yeah, man. Um, So, hang in there, guys. This is tough. Count the birds. Maybe someday, you know, it'll be such a big thing that citizens...
0: America stops for a month and counts birds.
1: (laughs) That would be amazing. So that's Christmas bird counts in a nutshell, I think. Yeah,
0: pretty much everything everything you need to know about Christmas bird counts and what we've done so far this year in Christmas bird counts. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and if you guys haven't participated, of course the 5th is the last one. So if you're listening to this on the 4th, you might see what your closest one is. And if you have Saturday off, give it a try. We'll be at the Portland Christmas bird count. Uh, which is being conducted by the Portland Audubon Society. So if you run into us, please come say hi. Um, If you recognize us. Yeah. (laughs) If you recognize our voices. Um, Mine probably won't sound so sore. It might still.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) But it's a, it's a ton of fun. It's a great experience and great to get to know other people who do this sort of thing. And, you know, a lot of times it's obviously it's once a year and so you get to have a little party afterwards if yeah. your cbc circle does that so um 2019 man it's here
0: yeah we're here <laughs> and this we is have, it
1: we have a goal <laughs> eric do you want to tell everybody what our goal is to, for this year
0: so we, we have a goal and then we have a bunch of stuff that we plan on doing hopefully so our goal is to bird our local patch. So we, we joined a challenge, the 5 Mile Radius Challenge.
1: Which if you're on Facebook, you can join it as well.
0: It's yes, 5MR Birding.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and we, we I, I shared it... I Facebook page, 5MR Birding. We
1: Facebook. shared it on our Facebook yeah. page at like a week ago, mm-hmm. so you can find it there too.
0: Yeah, so it's basically trying to bird, bird your local patch. Bird things that are within a 5 Mile Radius of your house. Bird as much as you can. Bird as often as you can. You get as much birding done particularly places that are under birded that don't have a lot of a lot of data in them it, within our five mile radius we have two or three hotspots that don't have any data for like four four or five months out of the year
1: I also want to mention that half of ours is the ocean yeah half so of ours is the ocean you're probably going to beat <laughs> us
0: <laughs> well we could get some pelagics maybe if we like, like stand on the Tillamook Head and look way out like sooty share waters yeah.
1: Tillamook Head yeah yeah, I
0: guess. Yeah, I don't know. But um in in addition to having some ocean in in our in our circle, we've also we've also got a couple of Oregon 2020 locations, which
1: Oregon 2020 is a project from Oregon State University mm-hmm. to come up with a catalog or not a catalog, that's not a good word for it. It's a census.
0: Yeah, it's a, a census, yeah. Yeah,
1: of all the birds in the state. And so they created hotspots in didn't she say it was like one? Every,
0: every township.
1: Okay, there's like a one-mile-by-one-mile. One it's mile. a
0: one-mile-by-one-mile one um, square Section. within every township. So there's 1,800 of them Wow. in in Oregon. I think it was 1,800. It was 1,803, I think. Hmm. Just, just over 1,800 spots in Oregon that are part of the census. And the objective is to take a stationary count somewhere within that spot that lasts at least five minutes... And try to get all the birds you can and post them to eBird, and then they'll capture that data. I, I assume using the um, the polygon feature on uh, eBird on the reviewer side, not on or on the researcher side, not on yeah, our data side. input side, our general side, <laughs> not on our side, but on, on someone else's side. Um, use the polygon feature to capture anything within that within that um, one mile by one mile square, and take all the stationary counts and create a census of birds in Oregon.
1: So that's really exciting that we get to participate in that as well. Yeah. Uh, we did email the researcher for it and just gave him a heads up. And he was, like, super grateful. That yeah, we he, was, he,
0: was, he was pretty jazzed. Yeah, we uh, he, he gave us some guidelines, some uh, which is pretty much the guidelines that are on the website. But just to re, he just reiterated them with us that stationary accounts use personal locations rather than the hotspot just because it'll give the exact location you're at rather than somewhere within that one mile by one mile. It's... so
1: if if you do a similar thing with the five mile radius then who knows you might have the same kind of situation going yeah. on near you might you. have
0: some 2020s around you or if, you're in if oregon.
1: you don't live in oregon <laughs> you might have, have some researcher that's trying to collect data and with the five mile radius thing how many hot spots do we have in ours
0: we don't have that many, it but was it's like ten, right? Yeah, it's like ten or twelve maybe. And
1: so we're gonna be visiting those spots a lot. Yeah. More than we would if we weren't doing those. And so it's giving more consistent data, I think, throughout the year. Yeah. Since we'll be going to it more regularly.
0: Yeah, hopefully fill out those bar charts, fill out get get more more data points throughout the year in each of these spots.
1: So we'll be talking more about this throughout the year. Also with the five mile radius um, challenge there's going to be like monthly challenges too mm-hmm. and it's it's becoming a whole thing we emailed the person who's putting it together and she expected 20 to 30 people and i think she has over 200 right now that Oof. want to participate
0: it's a lot of people it's yeah. a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of 5 mile radiuses
1: yeah so we'll see how this goes um, also in 2019 we are going to costa rica yeah so that'll be really exciting and that's in march
0: so yeah march we're going to costa rica mm-hmm. um We also plan on participating again in the Great Texas Birding Classic Human Power Challenge.
1: Which, that takes place from April 15th to May 15th. And Mm -hmm. if you haven't looked it up before, go ahead and do so. It's a lot of fun. And we need more competition. So (laughs) you could... But don't
0: compete too hard.
1: (laughs) And we'd also be happy to join other people's competitions... or. challenges as well There's yeah join big some big sits, sits or t-
0: texas two steps or yeah, something. yeah or big
1: days or something yeah. like that we'll plan on being in texas for a couple of days and try to get a couple of events going during yeah. that time so hey if you're doing a big day or something um uh, hit us up we might be interested in helping out
0: yeah it could be fun
1: we want to be on winning teams though <laughs>
0: <laughs> we could be a losing team that's fine what i don't i don't mind
1: i like the it black does,
0: yeah the, the, the blacks are nice <laughs> Yeah, so we also, um, in 2019, we, fingers crossed, hope to attend the Rio Grande Valley Burning Festival again, d- down at the end of the month, down in, uh, end of the year, in November.
1: My Gosh, we're going to Texas twice this.
0: Maybe. Hopefully, fingers crossed.
1: <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, so if you have, don't know anything about it, uh, look at our past episodes, and we talked about it a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: a ton of fun, and we hope to see you guys there.
0: Yeah, and then we're hopefully gonna be able to toss a couple other festivals uh, into the mix. Uh, maybe Space Coast, um, Monterey Bay. Yeah, um, we got to see Debbie Shearwater
1: before she retires. I know.
0: Um, Oregon Shorebird Festival. Maybe uh, maybe the Woodpecker Festival over in um, Sisters. Yeah,
1: and that one that was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, try to we'll we'll try we'll try to squeeze some other festivals into the year somehow.
1: And if you guys know of any that we didn't say, you know, we probably don't know about them. So yeah, yeah. Mess, us message he's... us
0: on facebook put it on blast us blast us, blast us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i kind of think that's all we have right
0: yeah i think that's uh i think that's about hannah and Go burning right there
1: <laughs> so thank you for listening to us i know we're a little spacey today um i'm blaming it on the sickness we hope you i'll blame en- it on
0: being sick too <laughs>
1: <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it and or learned something and please rate review and subscribe on apple podcast stitcher google music anywhere else you listen to us um, if you'd like to connect with us, please follow us at Hannah goes birding on Instagram. Um, Eric goes birding on mm-hmm. Instagram as well. Eric with a K and Hannah with an H. Follow us on our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric go birding or email us at Hannah and Eric go birding at gmail.com. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hated. Um, you know, guys, we're, we're doing stuff. So check us out and thank you so much for listening and share us with your friends Tell other birders and tell the people that aren't birders that you want to get into birding. Convince them. Happy New Year.